0: Oh, yeah. It's awfully strange that it's raining, uh, but I knew it was going to rain because I washed my car yesterday. Now, I don't know how y'all are, but I mean, I, I wash my car every Saturday, and I even clean my tires. And so I knew when I did that, that rain was coming. And so, uh, anyway, I woke up this morning, first thing I did, I gripe a lot, and I saw the rain, and I gripe. We need the rain, so Lord, I'm grateful, but uh, I don't know if y'all, any of y'all are like me, but any time you wash your car, I mean, that's, a, that's a chore, right? So anyway... Other than that, um, it's been a, been all right. Been doing pretty good because y'all care, I know. Uh, but today we are we finished our C4 series uh, last week. Went on for you know for a number of weeks, and today uh, you might be encouraged when you see the title of the message: Living in Light of the End. Now let me um, let me uh, p- kind of preface it a little bit with this. There is a, a former columnist named Ann Landers. Y'all, any of y'all, if you're a little bit older, you might remember her. Um, she used to receive 10,000 letters a month. And the letters she received, I and mean, this would be an awful job. I mean, the letters she received basically, it was just people griping all the time. And they would write in about the problems that they had. And so a reporter asked her, he said, You know, what is, what is the number one thing uh, that people complain about? And it was interesting her answer. She said, Basically, it comes down to this she said, It's fear. She said, people are are afraid they're going to lose their jobs. She said, people are afraid that they're going to lose their wealth. They're afraid they're going to lose their health. And then at the end, she said, very simply put, people are afraid of life itself. And and I I thought about that, and I think, she is exactly right. Uh, There are so many people who live and go through life just simply afraid all the time. You know, and there's some people I know, even in Blythewood, there are people that they, the companies that they work for, some of the companies that have been going through layoffs for a, a number of, you know, for a number of months, and so there's people in our church who are who are fearful about their jobs. Am I going to have a job in the next few months? Uh, others of us are parents. I see the football team, and some of the football team are here today. And those of you who are parents, I mean, you are fearful for your children. You want them to make the right decisions. And then others of us, you know, there's, we had, I don't know if y'all knew this, there was an election this past week. And there were people who were afraid before the election, and there are people who are afraid after the election. And then you come into the church, and you look at the bulletin, and it says, living in light of the end. And you're thinking, well, that's great. You know, you get afraid, and what in the world is he going to say now? And so it seems like there's all this stuff that's going on in our world and in our lives, and so many of us are just totally paralyzed by fear. Well, today in our passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at, we're going to see the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to a church in Thessalonica, and he was telling them, I want you to know that you don't have to spend your time, your lives, living in fear. And he shared with them the reason why. He said, because there's coming a day when Jesus is going to come back. There's coming a day when Jesus is going to make all things right, so you don't have to live in fear. And the reasons that he gave them for not living in fear are the same reasons that if you follow Jesus, let me tell you something, you don't have to live in fear either. And that's why today we're going to be looking in First Thessalonians chapter five. And so, if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, it's uh, you can go all the way to the end of your Bible and then hang a little left, and hopefully you'll run into First Thessalonians. But First Thessalonians chapter five, we'll start there in just a few moments. But Thessalonica was a city that was that's in it's. I mean, it's still a city today. It's in northern Greece. And Paul had gone there, and he had started a church. And his mission was to tell as many people about Jesus as he could. And so he started churches all over the ancient world. So he went to Thessalonica, northern Greece, started a church. Um, it's a city of about two hundred thousand people. And then after he started church there, he left and was just starting churches in other places. Well, after he left, there was a period of pretty severe persecution against Christians. They came into Thessalonica. And as you can imagine, what happened? Well, people started living in fear. People were afraid for their lives because of their faith. And so Paul wrote them this letter, and he wrote them to encourage them. Even as they were living in the, in the in light of the end, Paul said, you don't have to be afraid. And, and I want you to know that that is a message that's for us as well. That we don't have to be afraid now anytime you talk about living in the end or that the end is coming and it's not far off now we don't know when it's gonna happen but that tends to make people a little bit nervous you know the, the world it's a the world's a dark place and, and we know this I mean there's just there's things that happen there's things that are that happen that aren't fair there are diseases that come and we don't understand so there's just a lot of darkness in this world but even though we know there's darkness when you say that the world is moving to a conclusion that makes a lot of us uncomfortable and the reason why it's because it is a change of the status quo yeah you know, I've shared with you all before I like a rut and I like a rut because I like to know what's gonna you know I know it happens every day but it's kinda comforting to me that I wake up and this this is what's gonna happen in the morning this is what's gonna happen in the afternoon this is what's gonna happen in the evening and I can live that way for three thousand years and I'm like whew, that's good because it's all the same so then when you talk about even the stuff that's not good you know, today I'm going to go exercise. Hate it, but I'm going to do it anyway. But even when I know it's not good and you say, well, now that's going to change, it makes me nervous because I, I don't feel like I'm in control. I feel like that it's out of my hands. Well, Paul shares with us that we don't have to live in fear of the end, and he shares a few reasons why. And so I hope that when you leave here today, you're going to be encouraged, no matter what you feel, no matter what you're going through, that you don't, if you follow Jesus, you do not have to live in fear. Why? First reason why, it's because we have light. If you follow Jesus, you are living in the light of Jesus. And that matters. Let me, let me read you in verses four and five. It says, But you, brothers, are not in the dark, so that this day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night. And Christians, we are not of the darkness. Have you ever noticed that things are scarier in the dark than they are in the light? They, they are for me anyway. You know, whenever you're outside, you know, when I I will take our dogs out, and I know my family's not here, so I don't have to tell you how often I do that, but when I take them out during the day, we have a little wetland area, and they love to go down in there, so I'll walk down in there. And when I walk down in there, you know, I can brush up against sticks and, and stuff like that. doesn't bother me. Um, I can walk, walk through spiderweb, you know, there's because there's always those big wolf spiders. You know, those things are huge, and they have these huge, you know, huge spider webs. and you walk through them, and you just kind of wipe it off. It's not that big of a deal. But if that ever happens to you in darkness, it's a whole new game. You know, you walk down to the wetlands, and I'm sitting there thinking, it's dark. And you all know what live there, right? Like pythons. There's snakes. And so you, you, you bump into a stick, and my first thought is, oh my gosh, it's a snake. You walk, through, you walk through, have you ever walked through a spider web at night? Now, during the day, you're like, oh, get that off me. At night, it will freak you out now I know there's some of you and you think well that that, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me it's not really that big of a deal but but, you know it whenever you walk in darkness it's a little scarier than when you walk in the light if we were to turn off all the lights and black this place out right now you know I can walk around here on stage and I'm fine because I can see but if you turn the lights out my steps are not going to be sure because it's dark well I think that's that's where we are in our world today we're living in a world of darkness and so we are unsure of our steps, and there are traps and pitfalls that are all around us, and it makes us nervous. And that's the beauty of our text today, because if you look in verse number four, what does it tell us? It says, "But brothers, you are not in the dark." Now, now what, is, what does that mean? It means that we are in the light. Now, now what does the light do? It exposes darkness. The light enables you to see what's in front of you so that if you see pitfalls when you're in the light, it's not, it's not that big of a deal because you know, there's, you know, there's a snake there. I'll walk over here. Now it's dark, it's a little different because you can't see. So Jesus says, listen, if you follow me, he says, I will put you in the light so that darkness will be exposed so that whenever there are traps and pitfalls before you, then you're going to be able to walk around it and be safe. Now what's frustrating to me is when I see people who walk in darkness all the time. And, and we all, we've, we've all seen it or we've done it and we know people and we've looked at people and, and we see the decisions they make and I'll see people and they'll make decisions. I will see them make decisions concerning their relationships and I'll think, why are they doing that? You know, the only thing it is, it's that decision they're making with that person who doesn't care anything about, that, about them or their family. The only thing it's doing is it's dragging them down and it's destroying their lives. Or I'll see people who are overtaken by addictions. And I think, don't they, gosh, why do they do that? I mean, don't they see that they're making bad decisions, that they're making bad choices? Hey guys, here's the answer to that question. No, they don't see. Why? Because they are in darkness And when you are in darkness, it is awfully hard to make good decisions and good choices. That's why Jesus says, when you walk with me, he says, you will walk in the light. And when you walk in the light, you don't have to be afraid. There was a little boy, he's three years old, and he was in the back seat with his parents. They were just driving out in the country, and as they were driving, it was nighttime, and they came to a stoplight, and the little boy looked up, and you know, the light was shining through their windshield. And when you drive out, especially out in the, out in the country, you tend to drive through a lot of bugs. And that boy looked at the windshield, and he goes, ah, oh, the windshield is dirty. There's just all these like, bugs all over the windshield and dirt, and it was like, just smears, and the parents are like, Yeah, it is dirty. The light turned green, they started driving and they got out of the light. And when they did, the boy looked up at the windshield and goes, "Hey, it's clean now." And you know, that's that's what that's what darkness does. Darkness hides all the splatter and dirt and junk in life. And so Jesus says, "I want you to walk in my light so that you can see all the all the dirt that can get into your life. And and if you allow the light of me to shine on you, then I can clean you up, and I can make you pure again. See, Jesus wants us to walk in the light. He wants us to walk where it's clear. Therefore, when we walk in the light, Christians, here's the good news. This world, the world's dark. The world has a lot of traps, and there's a lot of junk in this world, but Jesus says, you follow me. You don't have to live in fear of the end. We're told this in Second Timothy one ten. It says it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death, and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus says, "You walk with me." He says, "It's dark in the world." He says, "You walk with me." He said, "I'm going to flip the light switch on, so you can see where you're going." So because of that, means we don't have to live in fear of the end, because because Jesus is our light. And he points out the pitfalls of life. So we don't, have to, we don't have to live in fear of the end because we have light. But here's a second thing that I, that I want you to see. The second reason we don't have to live in fear of the end is because we have a job to do. You know, we, we, we need to be busy. Our world is in darkness. We, we have work to do. Now, I want to reach you verses 6-8. Uh, verses through eight. It says, and this is what Paul said to the believers, and they're undergoing persecution, they're in darkness. He said, So then we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we are of the day, we must be sober and put the armor of faith and love on our chest, and put on a helmet of the hope of salvation. Now, one thing that I, you know, one of the lessons that I'm learning, is that the older you get, the more your body begins to break down, Have, and for those of you who are like over, I don't know, like forty, you are much more aware of this. And so, you just to begin, to, let me give you an example. My daughter, my my youngest child, is a, she's a, a freshman at, or excuse me, she's a sophomore at Blythewood High School, and so she, I'm on I'm on Snapchat with my daughter. Now, I, uh, she is my only follower, and so I don't know anything about it, so she tells me, you know, she, you know so that thing that you look into, and you can make all these weird-looking faces. It's actually kind of fun, and when it, she comes to the first service, and she'll sit on the first service, and when James is singing, she'll do a Snapchat, and James has all these crazy faces, and she'll show me, and I, so it's, I laugh, and it's funny. Um, so anyway, so, I'm, I'm, so you have to look at yourself to do these pictures. Well, I was looking at myself, and I was taking a picture, and I looked at, the, and it was that, um, you know, where, what do you call it, where you turn it back on yourself. Anyway, so I'm looking at it. And I see me, and I'm like, who is that? Because in my mind, I look better than you know than what you see. And I'm looking at and seriously, I, I I mean like these I have these wrinkles, and uh, and then I have like there's like I'm starting to get white hair, and on my neck, my wife's telling me I need to shave my neck because I have bad I have bad neck hair. So it's all white, and so you and I'm like where where did that where did it come from? Because I look better than this. Now, Now when I, when I look at myself, now, do I, I don't, I, now, here's the good news. I've not thrown in the towel yet. And so I'm going to get just for men right after this. But, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do the best that I can. You know, I, I don't look at myself and say, My, you, know, you know, you, you kind of reach a point where there's, it's just diminishing returns, right? But I'm not giving up. And I'm going to do the best that I can to, to do the best that I can to stay in the best shape that I can or that I'm willing to do so that I can be as productive for as long as possible. Okay, now the world that we are living in, you know, I promise you this, I, do not, I don't believe in evolution, I believe in devolution. We are not getting better and better, but we are, we are going down. Okay, now because I know that, does that mean we should just give up as Christians? Go Well, you know, it's, we, I believe in devolution. Let's just, let's just check out, there's nothing else to do. Now, that's, not, that's not what we've been called to do. And whenever I look in verses 6 through 8, you know, it's not like the world is having an increase in, in morality or anything like that. So, so what's our job? Well, Paul points out a couple of things in the verses that we just read. And if you go back and you look in, in verse number 6 and then, and, and then the verses after, he says, we must not sleep. He said, you've you got to stay awake. As you're living in darkness, you stay awake. And he said, and then you make sure that you be sober. Now, that word stay awake is very simple. It means to be alert. It means to be watchful. Why? So that we are not taken by surprise. So that we are awake to all the traps of this world. You know, there's a lot of people who just sort of sleepwalk through life, and we think things are never going to change, they're never going to be different, and we just sort of go through the motions in life, we don't think much about it. Paul says, let me tell you something, he said, you better stay awake. He said, you better be sober. Because when you're awake, the chances are much less that you're going to be duped and fall into the traps that the world sets. Let me give you, let me give you an example. Um, when, there, there are times whenever my wife will tell me, "So last night you were snoring. And she'll tell me that. And I'll go, I, I don't remember that. I don't, I don't snore. Now, I, I will say that, but I, but I don't know that for a very simple reason. I'm asleep. Now, I know this, when I'm awake, I don't snore when I'm awake. Now, the Bible says, when, when you are in darkness, when you're in darkness, you play with sin. But I know this, when I'm in the light, I don't. And so that, that's what Paul, in essence, is what Paul's saying here. said, you want to be in the light so that you don't play with sin. You don't want to mess around with it. He says you want to be sober. In other words, you want to know what's going on around you. And that's our first job. But then he begins to tell us, he says, so so how do we do that? He says, well, you have to prepare yourself. You have to dress, so to speak, for success. And if you look in verse number 8, he tells us that we are to put on the armor of faith and love on our chest. We're to put on a helmet of the hope of salvation. And so we want to put on protective clothing for ourselves. And he's speaking of, a Roman, of Roman soldiers here. And if you watch the old movies, you, know, you remember what Roman soldiers, they'll put on that, that breastplate, and other versions say you need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, you know what the breastplate or the armor was for? It, it's to protect your vital organs. You know, because those other soldiers, I mean, they're, swinging, they're swinging axes, and they're swinging, you know, they're swinging swords, and so you want to have something protective over you. Well, Paul's saying if you're going to live Without fear, he says, and you take what God has to say and the promises that he gives you and you wear it like armor so that your heart will be protected. See, the world tells us we don't deserve anything. The world tells us how could God ever forgive you. The world tells us time and time again, live for your own pleasure because you must eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. There's no hope beyond this life. So what we want to do is Paul says you want to take God's word and you put it over your heart. And God says there's a life beyond this one. God says there is hope for you. God says I made you on purpose. You are not an accident. And he says, and I want you to take the helmet of salvation, and I want you to put it on your head. You think of a Roman soldier. They wore helmets you know, when they fought. Why did they wear helmets? To protect their head. So, so what's, what's our helmet? It's the salvation of God that's taught in this We want to take God's word and we put it, it's like we put it on our head. We 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 do it in order to protect our minds. To protect what Jesus tells us to understand that we have value and that we have worth. Because if, if we don't protect ourselves in God's, we are completely vulnerable to the junk that the world teaches us. And whenever we're vulnerable, we're going to find ourselves living outside of the control of God. We're not going to have any control. And if you ever have, you, if you've ever been out of control, man, that's a scary feeling. Yeah, if, if you ever have you ever dr- driven a car before and lost control of the car before, that that's that's ha- that's happened to me. And, and when that happens, it's, it's frightening. I remember when I was in college and I was I was driving back from from my wife's hometown, going back to uh, going back to school. I was on I seventy five. Going through Atlanta. And it was, I mean, it was pouring rain. And I was driving my 1984 Firebird. Awesome car. And so I'm sitting there driving the car through and I'm in a hurry to get back to school. And I'm driving too fast, which is a rarity for me. And so I'm driving along and I hit and I hit a, a bunch of water on the interstate and my car hydroplanes, and I do two three sixties in downtown Atlanta, and I end up in a ditch. Didn't hit anybody. Now that was not now, there's a reason why that happened. It was raining, but the reason why is because I was not I was not doing anything Paul said in scripture. I was not I was not I was not awake. I was not alert. I was out of control. I was not under control and I ended up in trouble. And that's what happens whenever you don't walk in the light. We have to be careful in how we live. So what happens if I don't put on the helmet of salvation and the armor of God? I, I'm vulnerable. I don't know if have y'all ever. I don't know if you've heard of. I got him Christopher Hitchens, A brilliant guy, but he was an atheist. Uh, he wrote for uh, Vanity Fair, and he he just he said religion is a crutch. He's said people who believe in God. It's like it's like believing in Disney characters. Had all these different things. He's a brilliant guy, but he just was totally anti anti God, anti religion. Well, he ended up being diagnosed with terminal cancer. And a group of Christians came to him, and his brother was a Christian, but a group of Christians came to him and said, we'd like to pray for you. He said, I, I don't want you to pray for me. He said, I, let me tell you something, he said, there will be no deathbed conversion for me. And, yeah, I, I read that, I thought, that is sad. But you know that's what, that's what darkness does. Whenever you refuse to live in light of God, darkness will pierce your soul. And it will pierce you in such a way that you will live in separation from God forever. Because we, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in fear of the end. And there's a couple of reasons why that we've already gone through. One, we, we have the light of Jesus. Another reason we have to live in fear is because we have work to do. Guys, we, we're not supposed to give up. We're not supposed to quit. But, but here's the final reason that we don't have to live in fear, and it's this, we ha- because we have a different destiny. That's probably my favorite part. We don't have to live in fear because we have a different destiny than the rest of the world. In verse number 9, it says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we're awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Okay, now I want to ask you all a question. When Jesus came the first time, how did Jesus come the first time? There's a holiday coming up. It's going to be a good hint. He came as a baby, right? He came as nine ounce, no, nine pound, eleven. Ounce. He came as a baby. That's how Jesus came the first time. He came as the Bible said. He came as the Lamb of God. He came to bring peace. He came to bring forgiveness. Now that's awesome. But let me tell you something. Did you know Jesus is going to come a second time? And let me tell you something, when Jesus comes a second time, he is not coming as a baby. He is coming as a judge. When he comes a second time, he is coming with power. Revelation 19, verses 12 through 16, gives us a very descriptive picture of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back the second time. Now listen to this. Here's what it says about Jesus when he comes back. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. It says he is dressed in a robe that is dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth is going to come a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written right here on his thigh. It says, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, I read that. I don't see a baby there. His eyes are on fire. He has a sword coming out of his mouth. He's going to rule with an iron scepter. Now, I know that's easy to sit there and go, yes. but That scares me because I know me. And if he's coming as judge, I know this about me, I deserve to be judged. I deserve to be ruled with an iron scepter because I know who I am. But here's some good news. When Jesus comes back, did you know, he comes back as judge, he comes back with power. But did you know for his people, Jesus said his intent for his people is not for them to experience God's wrath. If you look back in verse number 9, God did not appoint us to wrath. Thank God for that. You know what that means? You don't have to live in fear of the end if you walk with Jesus. He's not sitting in heaven licking his chops saying, I can't wait to come down there and start swinging my sword. That's not what he's saying. We're told this about Jesus, about God in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness, but he is patient with you, not wishing anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Now, God doesn't just talk. God does stuff. He does stuff in order to protect his people. What has he done for us? If you look at verse 10, it tells us very simply, Jesus came and he died. It's a sacrifice for us that his people might have good standing with God. Galatians 1.4 says, The Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to, to what? What does it say? To rescue us from the present evil age. What does that mean? It means if our hope and our confidence is in Jesus, you don't have to live in fear. Because Jesus came as your and, and my redeemer. The end, is it scary? It's scary. World, is the world dark? How oh, the world's dark? Watch the news. It is dark. I don't understand. There's so many things I don't understand. It is dark. But do I have hope? If you follow Jesus, you see that? He came to rescue us and to give us a hope and a future. The world is stormy. You go right outside of here; it is a stormy world out there. You know, I know I know people who say they like they like lightning. They think it's beautiful. I think it's scary. And, you know, especially if you're in the elements, if you're outside in the elements and lightning is striking all around you, it is frightening. Now, I'm not scared of lightning though. When I'm like in here, and you know, I can look out the window and go, "Look at that." But if I'm out there, I'm a little bit nervous. Well, the world is stormy. The There's lightning out there, and it is coming for us. But Jesus says, come, come, come unto me. He says, Let me be your refuge. Let me be your shelter, and you can look out, but it will never hit you because I will protect you. Now, here's the question it's the final question for all of us Is Jesus your refuge? See, the end's coming. The end of the world, it's either going to be the end of the world or it's going to be the end of your life. One of them's going to happen. You know? One of them's going to happen in your lifetime. So when it does, are you ready? Is Jesus your shelter? Is Jesus your refuge? Because if he is, you don't have to, you don't have to live in fear of the end. I don't have to live in fear of the end. Because Jesus will watch over me and protect me. Now, in saying that, have you ever asked Jesus to be your shelter? Have you ever asked him? If you haven't, then my encouragement for you is to do that today.